Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Right now in a galaxy very near in Southern California, four normies gather to discuss the Skywalker saga in anticipation of its closure. It's the fifth episode of Starvember and Warcember. It's The Empire Strikes Back on Normies Like Us. Do or do not. There is no try. Is the dark side stronger? I Scruffy-looking nerf herder. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Welcome back, normies. Ah, you know, we had a little hope last episode, but guys, this time, the Empire is striking back because we're talking about the fifth Star Wars, the first sequel, technically. It's Empire Strikes Back on Normies Like Us with your host, Colin. Hey, this here is Mike. I haven't thought of a Star Wars pun yet. I'll come up with one soon. Uh, Joda. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and this is uh, Jacob, and uh, you'll find that I'm full of surprises. Uh, see, <laughs> Jacob, that's what I was going to do. Instead of just doing uh, the, the pull with the pun, Mike, I wanted to do quote, and uh, it's Colin, they smell worse on the outside. <laughs> I'll be nice. um, Michael Calrissian. I swear it wasn't oh, my fault. It. Uh, do or do not you only know Joda's here Ew. hey, hey. <laughs> what up Joda stop going through my shit <laughs> Empire Bad Strikes Back guys of Empire Strikes Back that's right that's Mike right. we're here great we're talking movie. Great movie. like I said very strange we're talking the sequel to the films that we've covered uh, again it's number five though uh, so here we are normies <laughs> I mean, yeah, for a lot of people, I mean, this has been probably what a lot of people consider the best. It's my personal favorite. I'm looking at the poster right now as we record. Um, Do you guys remember seeing this, you know, first time in theaters, anything like that? Colin? No, I have a very distinct memory of like the thousandth rewatch. And maybe I would argue that uh, this one, because of Hoth, became sort of like a snow day rewatch for me as like a kid for some reason. Maybe oh, you're having nice. like your own like Hoth rebattles or whatever outside with snow fights. But to me, that's sure. sort of what it is. Very cool. Very cool. Joe, how about you? I, it just feels like a movie I've always known. You know what I mean? Like, I really don't remember the first time I saw this. It feels like I always knew it. You know what I mean? Like, I was born with the knowledge that Vader was Luke's father. Mm-hmm. And that you should uh, you know, never tell me the odds. Don't ever tell him the odds. That's right. Jacob, how about you? I want to get your take on this as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't um, have any memories specifically about this, but just rewatching all all three of the original series on VHS is my, my main memory of them. Um, although there's when I did this rewatch this time, there's some things that I didn't even remember were in the movie. So that I don't know if they were changes or if my memory is just going bad. Yeah, well, to be fair, yeah, like you said, some of them might not have been there the first time you saw it or in your memories. Because yeah, sneak got in. a couple examples I'm thinking specifically were uh, change, changes that happened later. Yeah, and there's you know a couple of things that we can bring up when we talk more about uh, kind of the versions of this. Yeah. Uh, same thing for me. It's just I always kind of remembered knowing it. It's almost as if the original trilogy is just one thing that is Star Wars in my brain. Cause like they kind of bleed together. Like it was all just yeah. one experience, kind of one emotion. So Mike, do you feel like you knew the speeder. Vader twist before you knew what star Wars was? I can't, you know, with any amount of certainty, 
like dial that in. I don't know when I figured that out or if I was super shocked, but it does feel like it was just kind of out there. Through parody and maybe through pop culture. Like, I don't know, like Joe, don't you feel like you had seen like a million Simpsons episodes already where they maybe had said like, Luke, you are my father or somebody had said you are my father. I, I mean, again, it just feels like a movie that like I came out of the womb having already seen it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. everyone always knew that, that Vader was Luke's father. Like to us, it's so ingrained as a part of like our childhood for the generation before us and two generations before us. That was the shock of the century, man. That was the original. It's a twist. Yeah. And very uh, misquoted uh, because as we probably know, he doesn't say, Luke, I am your father. Uh, Just I am your father. That's true. No. Although I I think the misquotation I mean, the only way it could have gotten as popular of a quote as it as it is is using the misquotation. Because if it was just "No, I am your father," it wouldn't be like, "Oh, that's a that's a quote from something." Because that's just like, you know, a normal sounding thing. <laughs> it's that an would episode say. of Marvel. Like anytime I ask for anything, as yeah. A child. yeah. No. So it kind of has to uh, has to have been misquoted that way to get so popular, maybe. And also, you got to think it. like it was before the age of uh, Twitter and, the and internet, saying, no, yeah. no, no, you're not remembering it. This is literally people walking out of the theater and being like, holy shit, Luke's his father. And like, yeah, of course, that just becomes people saying, Luke, I am your father. Yeah. Oh, God, imagine the uh, the Twitter backlash nowadays or just the spoilers, you know, Snape kills Dumbledore kind of thing that would have gone down. Oh, and that's something I'm excited to talk about. Just the, the reaction that I think... Uh, People would have had to this movie had it come out now based on the reaction we've seen to some of the newer movies as well. Yes, and they I are had, all like poetry and they rhyme. So I'm yeah, sure that uh, there's, there's things that... I had the same <laughs> thoughts as well, Joe. I think, uh, yeah, if, if Twitter was around when this when this movie came out, I think it would be interesting for sure. Yeah. I had some thoughts right. towards like the structure of it because I'm always looking at it as like, you know, like Mike's always going to say, how do we want to talk about these movies? So I was looking at this one and I was thinking like, the way you kind of have to talk about this movie in particular is like the three places they go. It's like Hoth, mm-hmm. Dagobah, Bespin. And, you know, there's like the asteroid belt in between. But really, yeah. this movie's just like, eh, like here's three weird planets. That's kind of how all of Star Wars always is, though, with the exception of maybe Revenge of the Sith, right? Like I was thinking about that, too, Colin, and trying mm. to like contextualize it. In A New Hope, you have Tatooine. Uh, the ship, the Death Star. That's really it, you know? Like, it's... it's Same thing we'll see it's in It's more about uh, the great the adventure, yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. True, like, you don't really see as much as you think you do. It's just the universe is so big to us as fans, it feels like we've seen it all. I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bored with that because also as a kid, it's like Star Wars is, like you said, the first one, Tatooine, the Death Star, and the ship. This is Hoth, Dagobah, and Bespin, and then Jedi, you get, you know, Yavin 4 and Death Star 2. Um, but that just feels like that's the breadth of Star Wars, because we were able to watch them kind of all at once. We didn't have to wait a couple of years exactly. with the original trilogy, so it just feels like one giant thing. But it has always been like that. I agree with you. Yeah, um, I was, I was going to say, uh, comparatively to A New Hope, um, it feels like a lot happened, even though they only went to three planets. Um I was kind of surprised because it's two hours long and like 40 of the, like the first 40 minutes all happens on Hoth. And then there's still, they still have the whole asteroid thing, Luke on Dagobah, and then everything that happens on cloud city, it feels like a lot actually happens within that time. 
I totally agree, man. Like I remember when I was a kid, like my, my favorite way to open up a movie is with a random adventure. And I always kind of thought of Hoth as that. But really, you're there for a really long time. I mean, you have a whole battle. You have the whole Wampa thing. You have Han fixing up the, the Millennium Falcon. I forgot how long we're actually there. Yeah. You're there forever, Joe. Um, I had some friends, some actual listeners of this podcast reach out to me and say, hey, why aren't you guys like reading the crawls per episode? And I was like, hey, leave me alone. You know, we're, we're not doing that. Leave us alone. <laughs> but I was focusing on the crawl this time. And I thought how cool it is that it can literally be like a new hope happened. It's self-contained. Hey, just to catch you up here, they are like much later, but on a cool adventure, like the jump in time. That's pretty special. Yeah, man. Throws you right in again. It's like like a Flash Garden serial or, you know, it's like here we are on a new adventure. It's a week later, you know, and it just picks up in medias res and it's just like, okay, let's go. Here's Han a couple years later. He's got some tension with Leia and, you know, Luke's out here in the snow plant. It's like, okay, there's something different. But how much time actually passed between this one, uh, between episode four and this one? Do we know? Space like months? Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. Like a couple months? I think it's a couple I mean, years. I would say at least a couple years because they've completely relocated bases. Yeah. Oh, I think it would be less than a year. Maybe. I mean, well, I just had some questions about that because like, okay, so they pay uh, Han at the, end of the, at, at the end of episode four and he needs to pay Jabba back. Then in, in, at any point in time, he could have went and paid Jabba back but he didn't and he was just hanging around like he could have just gone really quick and paid him off and then come back. So it's kind of interesting. He didn't do that so much so that they even reference. And I thought this was interesting and ties into some of the other stuff we'll talk about later. He says like, after the run in with that bounty hunter on random planet, you know, I'm rethinking things and I'm going to go do it now. So it kind of shows that like, yeah, like they've been doing a bunch of stuff that actually we see in canon comic books that were released in like 2016. So that's kind of cool. I'm seeing here that it's a three year gap in between, which seems about right. Three years? Han is irresponsible with paying back his debts. I never thought it was that long. Yeah. Because it feels like Han and Leia's relationship is still in the beginning stages. So it feels like not that much time has passed because that they would have developed that relationship more. Already. It's not really a relationship yet. She's not allowing herself to. Right. So they were just hanging anything. out for three years. The crawl well, they were does trying to say save the galaxy. At the beginning that uh, the know. Rebel Alliance has been relocated to Hoth under the leadership of Luke Skywalker. I did find that interesting where I was like, oh, he's in charge now. He's calling the shots because he blew the Death Star up. Yeah, he kind of came in as just this this kid from nowhere. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, the hero to them, I guess. So. No, it's not all of a sudden. It's three years. So that makes sense. That blows my mind. I never thought it would Yeah, that bombshell is going to color this entire podcast. (laughs) I say we got to jump into it, guys, because this is is too much. Yeah, we've taken about three years on the Banta. Remember, this is the Banta section. Let's go ahead. Let's get into it deep. Empire Strikes Back. We're back, normies. We're on Hoth. We're touching down. We're that little probe droid. Looking for Hoth base. 
Um, and we're back. <laughs> we're talking uh, drawing, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> uh, I like I, Yeah, I wanted to say at the top of this, because we had discussed how on Revenge of the Sith that that has a very strong opening for one of these Star Wars films. And after rewatching this, I think this, like you could argue, is like the best opening act of a Star Wars movie once it gets going. Um, but uh, the I Hoth think, sequence uh, is pretty good. Return of the Jedi might have the strongest one for me. I thought so too, but it's it, we'll it's amazing what week. it does. Yeah. yeah, Joe, what do you think here? I mean, I guess I I got to just say this at the top before we start talking about this movie in detail. I already knew I loved this movie. I knew it was my favorite. Rewatching it now. I think I'll make the claim that this is the first good movie we're actually talking about. Oh, no. Uh, we've talked about four other Star Wars movies. This is the first one where it's like, no, this is a great movie. And that kind of peppered like my my love for it even more. Where like, all I want to do is talk about how fucking great this thing is. Uh, I think it's really the first one that it's like, no, this is a great movie ev- from, from start to finish. Yeah, Joe, I had to agree with you as well. Um, I mean... My biggest, like the thing I noticed the most about going from A New Hope to this one was kind of the direction and like the cinematography. And like, I think there's good cinematography in A New Hope too, but it just feels like, and I think the budget is also a lot bigger on this one. You can really tell that, but this one just feels so much more like a a real movie as compared to A New Hope, which is good in that it started the whole thing, but I think this one really tops it. That's actually a good point to bring up, too, because what is uh, unique about this one up to this point in all four of these films is the first one, including the prequels, it's not directed by George Lucas. That's um, right, Irvin Kershner. And I think that experience that he brings really adds to this film in a big way. He claims to have wanted to really focus. Jacob. Yeah, Eric Kirshner said he was going to focus on like the human aspect. And like watching these back-to-back every week, it definitely right out the gate has kind of a different identity and tone than A New Hope establishes. And back to Joe's point of this is the best movie, it's like we, everyone argues what's the best Star Wars movie. This is probably inarguably the best film, like Star Wars universe thing. Like, structure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And I mean, because the characters, they feel like real characters in this. Like in A New Hope, I like them all and everything, but they're more like archetypes and they don't really get enough time to really become their own own thing. But in this one, they get more time to develop relationships with each other and they just feel like real people as, as opposed to just Han, he's the, he's the rogue, but now he becomes like his own thing. It feels like we like the characters in A New Hope, but now we get a chance to fall in love with them. Exactly. Um, and exactly. they really develop from here on. Um, so that's what this is. This is the big character development movie. It's, uh, I love it. It's my personal favorite. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm excited to jump in on it. It's my favorite as well, I would say. I think it's been anticipatory. That's interesting, but should guys. We do this? Not mine. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but if I need a little more background, just to color a little more, Irving Kirshner, uh, 1980, he's making this film, so it's three years after A New Hope, 1977. Um, the interesting thing was, of course, is that he was a teacher of Lucas's at USC, um, and the thing that he would kind of go on to be most known for after this was directing the James Bond film that isn't a James Bond film, Never Say Never Again. Mm, that's the one where Sean Connery came back after... Where he returns, exactly, after over. being like, I don't want to be James Bond anymore. Oh, wait, these still work and I'm not working? I'll go ahead and be James that's Bond right. again. Crazy. That's hilarious. 
But then he does make one of the most heralded films in American history with this with this guy here because Lucas said he was going to be too busy uh, doing the special effects, which I think in hindsight, we know that he maybe always loved the effects more than the stories, right? I think it was a smart decision. I think um, George Lucas is, knows his strengths and weaknesses, or he did until the prequels came out. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I also heard before, I don't know if it was this one or Return of the Jedi, that some other directors he had in, in mind, and one of them was David Lynch. And like he all, like, so David Lynch almost either directed this or Return of the Jedi, um, but it, it, instead he made Dune. So I think that would David be David really Lynch, Empire Strikes Back, David Cronenberg, Return of the Jedi. Oh, interesting. In another Probably world. So imagine that, you know. Imagine if David Lynch directed this movie. Probably for the best that he didn't. Because I do adore this version that we got right here. So, yeah, I'll say it's for the best. Bullshit. Can you imagine the Dagobah <laughs> sequence where he faces the tree monster and it's David Lynch's version and it would be smoking a cigarette <laughs> yeah. and he would talk about how yeah, he's the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Death stick. Yeah. The horse would be dancing. Screw <laughs> it. Yeah, it would be a fucking head trip. But if, you know, also if David Lynch made this, we wouldn't have gotten David Lynch's Dune. So I think it worked out. Oh, Everyone loves bummer. David Lynch's Dune. More sand. I hate sand. But I do love snow. And that's where we start out, right? Nice. And we're going to hoth it up, guys. That's a segue, you know. That's right. I love never hoth. seen one before. <laughs> I love hoth. I love the opening. I love, um, you know, Luke's out there uh, on his little mission and on the town town. He's on the Tauntaun. Let me ask you this, guys. Uh, Of course, we got to do a Jacob's Alien watch because, uh, like Mike said, George Lucas was out doing the special effects, and that's the reason on Hoth we get three instances of these, like, Ray Harryhausen claymation effects, which are the Tauntaun, um, the Wampa, and the probe droid later. Yeah, which is very weird. Oh, and I Mm -hmm. guess you could say the AT-ATs as well. That yeah, too. but this has to be the and planet where we're seeing your favorite alien, and it is the Wampa, <laughs> right, Jacob? You might think that, Colin, but if you thought that, you'd be wrong. Oh, uh, it's Yoda because it's Bosk. this week's number one alien. Is. <laughs> Should I reveal it now? <laughs> Counting down. Yeah, I gotta hear it, buddy. Tell me, it's Bosk. Uh, well, this one, it, as me, as soon as I saw him on screen, I knew it, who it had to be, and I'm talking about the meeting of the bounty hunters. I'm talking about Bosk. Number one, Bosk is really cool. Bosk is dope. Mandalorian. And do you guys, you Star Trek nerds, you have your history with Bosk, right? Where he is an actual member of the Gorn race from the first generation of yeah. Star Trek. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, he's a, he's, the re, he's a recycled costume from that episode from of George Star Lucas. Trek. Got yeah. from the Gorn set, fight, and yeah. they put him in a Moon Man costume. Yeah. Yet we need to replace the Wolfman. Right, right. <laughs> Wolfman can't well, get Well, Bosk has his around. whole history now, you know. He's in Clone Wars. People love Bosk. I knew that would be your favorite, Jacob, because, you know, it makes sense going from vaping lizard to uh, to, to just badass <laughs> He's a lizard. giant lizard man. You gotta go with it. <laughs> well, let's Any, save the bounty hunters. I, I was gonna say, yeah, anybody later, here? But. How about you two, though? Were Mike, Joe, were well, you I guys do impressed like the, with uh, the Tauntauns? Yeah, you guys gotta love those, right? Oh, dude, I love the Tauntauns, yeah. The Tauntauns and the Wampa, I I don't think he gets enough credit man maybe it was changes but like watching it last night i was like holy shit the wampa looks incredible so uh the original wampa was a big like robotic thing that didn't work well but in the 2011 i think in the 97 one of the updates that's when they had that wide shot of it eating luke's tauntaun like when he's upside down that was yeah. added and that oh, this yeah. is definitely a case where 
I think the changes really help the scene because if you watch the original cut versus the new one where the Wampa looks just so menacing and is eating the Tauntaun, it's like... Yeah, I thought that was added uh, too, but I, yeah, I think it's a good change for sure. That's a good change. Good yeah. job, well, Let's George. talk about the ultimate shit. change It makes up there, for the right? Jabba scene. We got to talk about the reason for the scene in that Mark Hamill unfortunately suffered a very dangerous car collision prior to them filming. Uh, he did receive plastic surgery. His face was altered and changed, so they put in this scene to sort of make sense out of his appearance shift. He gets right. mauled off of the town town and then, you know, presumably he's captured got scars by. on his face. Exactly. Which, to be honest, I also would have just bought with a three year time gap and he's leading a rebellion. Like, yeah, he's probably been in a True. bunch of battles and wars we haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I could, I, cause really it's not that jarring to me just looking at it. I never associated his face looking different with the attack, even as a kid. I guess it's yeah. one of those things, though, where like, we didn't see it in theaters. I guess if you would have seen it in theaters and like anticipating this movie, you would have been like, wow, he looks a lot different from three years ago when I saw the first one. You have no internet. Like you're dealing with like magazine photos. Like how much do you really remember how he looks like in this? And know? like Jacob said earlier, I don't know, the early characters really were such archetypes and Luke especially is such an aw shucks, gosh, you know, gee, willy willikers. I'm like fresh off the farm. And now he's like a quiet weirdo with a face scar. <laughs> yeah. He's really matured a lot since New Hope. I mean, He's just, yeah, he's, he's just more confident in himself, I think, even before he goes to Dagobah and gets training from Yoda. And on Hoth, I mean, we're seeing right out the gate new force powers, right? So in, in A New Hope, we had only seen the choke and the the call and kind of like the reflexes, Mind that trick. kind of stuff. Yeah. Now we straight up have a force pull. He brings that saber to him. Do you guys remember the first time that happened? Because I remember seeing that and being like, Jedis can do anything and that being like the coolest fucking thing in my mind i i think i had the same thing my mind was blown like now we have telekinesis basically and it's like they do so much with so little with the force powers here i think the way the prequels really just went over the top right but as a kid you're just imagining what it can be and just all he had to do was reach out and it comes into his hand and vader does it too later we'll get there but it's like oh shit this is something that jedis can do i like that a lot agreed agreed yeah. And he uses it to free himself from the ice. He uses his lightsaber right away, like in interesting ways to solve problems too. It's like, wow, this guy really has like gotten yeah. his shit together. Yeah, he's good at it now. New Hope. I was mm-hmm. thinking and you're not waiting for it the whole time, you know, because A New Hope, that's the ending, right? You see him train with it once and that's really it. This is like right out the gate. Like, no, he's cutting up at-ats with it. He's cutting free of the, uh, the ice. We even see Han use it. Off. Yeah. Always yeah, arms. exactly. Yeah, one more arm gets cut. That's right, just like Obi-Wan did. People love um, cutting off arms with lightsabers. But yeah, so he gets captured. We end up back at the base. Han Solo's trying to go pay off Jabba, as you guys said. and then um, Yeah, you were talking about how tight this intro is, Mike. This is where it gets a little bit... Um, I don't know if you guys ever had a situation where your parents didn't have two cars for a little bit. And they like had to drive each other places. This gets into like literally mm-hmm. the ending of this entire arc. It's like, okay, princess, like I got to get you to your bus. Oh, it already took off. All right, get in my car. I'll drop you off before we go to the kids. <laughs> and, you know, we got to get over here. And okay, well, stop calling my car a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. Just get in my fucking car. And it's like, oh, uh, and, you know, you just kind of have to sit there like, oh, just, you know, be quiet while they fight. Yeah. Well, Are they going to this- make it? 
the whole will they won't they right and um it's it starts out too yeah with Han Solo and her arguing like you know why don't you just say that you you need me here it's like I do need you you're a good pilot and they're having that whole back and forth like yeah three years has passed these people have really been uh and they're fighting like cats and dogs yeah personally yeah, I right. really like um every like every line that Han has in the beginning and into like when they're you know in the asteroids like Han's just the best like this is like really the the Han movie and and he's just really the MVP of the whole thing with line after classic line you know absolutely and the whole I mean, dynamic with him and is Leia is just great and like it getting more developed and everything like just amazing classic Gotta yep Joe it. you had something you're trying to Oh, just the the screenplay for this one is hands down the best, right? You're not cringing at Anakin, you're breaking my heart. You get the the ad libbed, I love you, I know. Like there's Mm -hmm. there's so much in this. Your highness uh, every few seconds is great. Yeah, like like real themes in a movie. It's not just the hero's journey. It's it's a, a real movie with real themes and real characters. And the other thing that stood out for me too was like the humor, like the comedy aspect. Like it's not like a comedy, but there's a lot of like funny lines in this in this movie and it just kind of took me by surprise how like how funny I still found it today as well. Um so there's that as well. Yeah, true. I mean, everyone considers it like the darker of the original trilogy, but Yeah, like, but especially yeah, in the beginning like yeah, on Hoth like you know, it's just it's just funny. The chemistry between those three is like beginning to peak, basically, with Carrie Fisher. It probably does peak in this movie because they all have the most to do, I think, together. Um, and yeah, it's awesome. Sure. And, you know, Han Solo is the one who's motivated uh, to find Luke Skywalker. We get the, uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside, little survival trick, you know, which is a nice touch because that's a real life survival yeah, trick. Yeah, but he should like, have taken his clothes off and gotten in there with him too, right? You know, skin to skin. That's the only way to really keep each other <laughs> well, They weren't warm. trying to get a Leonardo uh, Oscar or anything, but yeah. they could have tried that. So you have, you know, the, the rebels down on Hoth, barely surviving, and then the first shot of Darth Vader in this movie, which I think is one of the most iconic Star Wars shots of all time, right? From behind, framed. He knows Luke is down there because he can sense him. And that, like, the, the stakes are immediately raised. The Empire is coming to Hoth, and we get the great battle, man. I mean, this is uh, Rogue Two, right? That's the call sign for the uh, mm-hmm. the speeders, and, and we're off. We're in our first major action sequence 10 minutes into the movie. And how, how much you guys love snow speeders? Because they're my favorite of the original trilogy vehicles. I like Agreed. them, but I'm... I'm wondering, I think they're cool, but like, why are they two person? And then you have one person that's just the gunner because then when Luke's gunner dies, he can't shoot, like he has no weapon himself. So they should have added like a little driver weapon in case that happened. But other than they that, they have a front dead. weapon. Yeah. He's got little blasters. He just oh, does not cannon. He just yeah. can't yeah, shoot. It's World cannon. War One. Um, you forget that he has to get out and spin the propeller. So the thing even takes off. <laughs> <laughs> and look, the tow cable. Yeah, it's great. Obviously, this is the best Star Wars vehicle because it has a fucking harpoon. Like, yeah. That is so that is great. simple. It's simple technology. Joe, did you have the toy? Awesome tension. It was pretty meaty, right? It was like a big, weighty vehicle. I had the Snowspeeder, but I never had a uh, an ATAT or an ATAT. No, no Falcon, no anything else. For some reason, I only had the I had Speeder a as maybe my only vehicle. Wow, I'm very jealous. Yeah. No X-wing. You made a good doorstop too, if you you know 
<laughs> Seriously. Under there. But yeah, very iconic design. I like the idea. And the sense of speed you get being at ground level, like brought back kind of the memories of the trench run. So like not having a space battle, but this land battle with space, quote unquote, ships in the ATATs is really quite the spectacle using the tow cable. Luke gets on foot. Like it's like the most badass Luke has been to this point. You know, yeah. he's shooting out his own hook. It's it's awesome. Yeah, Absolutely. I love this battle. I mean, this you movie really is chock sense. full of them, but start mm. strong. They establish the threat and the power of the Empire, too, like very strongly. And you realize that, oh, you guys are fucked. Like, we got to get these transports out of here. And that's what they're trying to do. Get the rebels off because the Empire is coming to wreck that booty. There is some also, real menace um, when they sort of touch down and start walking around. But did you guys happen to notice that some of the snowtroopers in the background are literally walking in pace in background just to make motion? <laughs> Where it's like, oh, they're just as bad as the droids and like the fucking prequels. Like Some of them are just so worthless. The other thing is I really like the design of the uh, probe droid, the Imperial probe droid when it first comes in. It's like super menacing looking when it first comes into screen. So I thought that was really cool. And they they use that like really logically in the script where they're like, yeah, it was an Imperial probe droid. They're probably already on the way. They're not like, what does this mean? It's like, no, we got to we got to go. Right. No, we know what here, it is. Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking they're, coming. We got to go. The script is so great because there's no wasted time. Like even things that you think are wasted time serve character purpose. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, so, so I'll, we'll get there when we get there, but you have the big battle and everyone has to escape, right? So we're doing the big Hoth fight. Yep. And then they're on the way out, as we kind of alluded to before. They're holding yeah. off the Empire and then uh, Han Solo has to be like, Leia, oh, I can't get her to your transport. You're going to ride with me in the Falcon. That's She's when they're arguing. still calling Colin the Falcon saying, a hunk of junk, Mike. It's been three years and the Falcon helped Luke blow up the I'm Death saying. Star. This is and bullshit. And the air conditioner still broke, huh? Jesus, I told you three summers <laughs> he ago. He does. He still has know? to fucking Fonzie it. I love that. And he says like, yeah, when they're in the asteroid field, there's that line, you know, it's not my fault. Like, you know. Which we hear echoed later from another character. So, But Joe, I, I have to agree with you, except I have one exception. Uh, every time C-3PO talks, I feel like that's uh, wasted <laughs> script time right can there. I, so can I, can I bum you guys out real quick just because you said that, Jacob? So we're in a post-Star Wars world where, again, we should say the first one was super successful. It made like $700 million, right, off of a very small budget, off of like $11 million. This one is like $18 million costs. Makes like five sixty, not as much, but very good for a sequel, right? Oh wow! But we're Especially in that time. oh, absolutely. But we're in sequel territory where people kind of start acting like jerks. And obviously, Harrison Ford's the most famous example with sort of like the contract negotiating that he does between these next two films. But let's talk about Anthony Daniels, who plays C three PO for a second. <laughs> Anthony Daniels is a guy who would start to say, "Fuck Kenny Baker, who plays R two D two." I hate sharing scenes with this guy. I'm an actor. He's a little guy who operates a puppet. Like, people need to understand that what I'm doing is a craft and it's very serious, and I need a serious part in this film. And he's starting to be a bit of a jerk. Yeah, you're the worst character in the entire movie, so. (laughs) Um, No, I. I never knew this side of him. Yeah, I heard that he was hard to work with before, but I really just hate C3PO. Anytime he's in any scene like and sometimes he's like integral to the plot and i still hate him he's the most integral to the plot (laughs) yeah i can't imagine star wars without him though what are you gonna do cut it you know yeah he's i love r2d2 that's the thing i like r2d2 i just something about him annoys me although they spend most of this movie split up 
R2 and Split T3 the party. Do, yes. Split the party and we'll regroup in Bespin. Yeah, but we're not there yet. Um, yeah, I think I think that's great, though, because it gives us like these three iconic kind of arcs. And like, you know, Last Jedi is roughly framed sort of, you know, like, I mean, like they're all poetry. They rhyme like we've seen this type of thing before with, you know, yeah, training and this and that. But um, I think, like I said, these are like the strongest ways that we get growth out of these characters because you have Leia and Han, you have Luke and r2d2 and you know yoda later but um it's, it's just amazing script work and no wasted time again as joe said yes very true except the 3 po <laughs> yeah fuck that guy <laughs> We're back. Uh, things are going from snowy to stinky, unfortunately. Um, so the way it goes, our party splits. Luke says he he has a vision. Uh, Joe mentioned earlier the force powers that get introduced. We do get introduced to ghost force powers, which is Ben Kenobi appears again. Uh, uh, the man who loves how much he got paid in the last film <laughs> appears before our hero and says, uh, Luke, you must go to Dagobah. So when Han Solo finds him, he's still muttering, the Dagobah system to himself, and Luke decides to go there. Han Solo thinks he's delirious. Yeah, he yeah. Come on, okay. buddy. Mm-hmm. So even when everyone's kind of escaping uh, the Empire on Hoth, you know, Luke's about to go to Dagobah. R2-D2 asks him in robot speak, you know, hey, are we regrouping? He says, oh, no, we're not going to rendezvous with the others. We're going to Dagobah. And then they, uh, you know, beeline out. Uh, Han and Luke give that look to each other like, hey, good luck, kid, but nothing is really said. Mike, we get that shot beforehand where he's up on a snowbank and he's supposed to see the Millennium Falcon taking off in the distance, but they did not match up the eye lines. And clearly, like Mark Hamill turns too quickly <laughs> and then the ship just like shoots by him. Did that not get fixed in the Disney Plus version? Should have. You right? But yeah, so this is it. We're heading to Dagobah and a little crash landing here. The X-Wing's looking like it's in a little bit of trouble. I like that R2 is with him. Do you guys? I know we just said the split the party thing, but it is cool that he has a sounding board. And obviously the people that he's about to meet are completely insane and a ghost. So I do like that he can occasionally just talk to a <laughs> trash can. Yeah, I feel like R2 is kind of like his dog. He just kind of accompanies him. Oh, 100%. Just goes on with his adventure with him, for sure. It also and felt like R2- this time around, I kind of get the sense that like R2 was like, no, let's not go there. Like, let's not do this. Is that kind of peppered by the prequels? I mean, maybe that's overthinking it, but R2 might know that Yoda's there and is like, oh, let's let's not start all this again. It's possible. That's possible. That's true. You know, I never thought about that because he is like asking, hey, we go back. He's so very maybe. hesitant to go to Dagobah. <laughs> That's true. Maybe he was just scared of that monster in the water that tried to eat him. But uh, that's an interesting way to look at it. And again, we'll be asking ourselves, do the prequels uh, benefit or hinder these as, as you know, I think hinder. I think that muddies it up like crazy. Not as muddy as the planet itself Uh. does. Ayo. Crash. So, you know, we got Luke here. He got to save R2-D2. We we meet our uh, this little weird uh, 
green frogman who seems native to the planet. He starts digging through Luke's shit. I think the this reveal here, spoiler, Yoda, right? This is definitely hurt by the prequel. <laughs> oh, because yeah. if you uh, oh, for if sure. you have no idea what another Jedi is, the only Jedi you've seen is Obi-Wan or Darth Vader is a fallen Jedi. You're just assuming they're like dudes. So for this little frog guy to be throwing, you know, shit out of the X-Wing and messing around with Luke and oh, come to my house and like he's so strange and then he t- turns out that he's the master. Talk about subverting your expectations, right? Uh, true. Yeah, uh, Mike, I definitely uh, agree. I mean, if you were to watch Star Wars for the first time ever and you watched them in the intended order, so you watch the prequels first, this you know reveal would be totally ruined by the prequels for sure. Well, not only would it be ruined, but like his whole character is insane. We watched him 20, 30 years ago, like use computers, command an army, and now he's like a flashlight. Mm, flashlight. Yeah, what is that's this? Also true. He's playing I feel like character he's like Joe. hitting R2D2 with his stick. Yeah, yeah, the Yoda from the prequels is very different than the Yoda from the original series. And one thing that struck me watching this movie, I went back and watched Yoda in The Last Jedi when he he's a force ghost in that. And that portrayal of him in that movie is the closest to this that I've seen. Way better than the, the prequels. So Agreed. Just another thing. So we're all you know. fans of Crazy Yoda here then. Correct? Yeah, because he's, he's, he's the, he's the crazy old master who's secretly <laughs> yeah, wise but acts, acts the fool. Yeah. Can we talk about yeah. how him and Obi-Wan both do the same thing? And if I was Luke, I'd be like, Jesus, you fucking Jedis. Where it's like... Do you, do you know Obi-Wan Kenobi? Oh, of course I know him. He's me. <laughs> like, wait, oh, you're Yoda. You're going to say just mm-hmm. pretend to be hermits instead of powerful, you know, people of positions. Yeah, I, instead that's of like, true not me. Too, I live in like, the dirt. They both like try to trick <laughs> him and then be like, no, yeah, I am that person. <laughs> like, of course. I I'm guess not. they have a really sh- like, yeah, because Yoda apparently is testing his patience. But I love that that's the gimmick. Just pretend not to be you. Mike, yeah. I think that scene in admitted. Revenge of the Sith at the end where he's like, uh, Obi-Wan, come Obi-Wan, come with me with Qui-Gon. We'll meet. Really? They went into the other room and he was like, OK, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to these other planets and pretend we're insane. <laughs> i'm gonna bonk you on the head you're gonna bonk me on the head and i'll see you as a ghost oh that's a total gilligan's desert making crate dragon sounds yeah Mm. that's how you'll survive but yeah this it it totally is ruined by the prequels so i love this reveal of yoda in a vacuum yeah that being said yeah i think his that this reveal is great and like just the reveal of him as a character is just great love yoda so it takes all of the goodwill from the Wampa edition because the prequels. Can I ask your guys' yeah, but, uh, I mean, favorite look for Luke yeah. in this uh, movie? We've got uh, awesome orange jumper for the X-Wing, or we've got like filthy bog cut-off tee <laughs> that he kind of like wears just for backpack oh, uh, training. Yeah, Hell training yeah, montage Hell Luke yeah. is the best. I like Bespin Luke. You know, I think that's probably my favorite look. They'll like all tan jumpsuit. The cleaned up version of the. Oh, I guess it. Yeah, that's the third one. That is, you're right. He puts a coat over the filthy swamp stains, and later when like (laughs) Vader's like finding him in the darkness during the duel, he's like, "Well, it's because you smell like shit, dude. You're covered in like fucking swamp (laughs) feces." And much like Anakin in the prequels, like we're transitioning from light colored clothes into darker colored clothes as we'll get to Jedi. You know, no spoilers, but this is right in the middle. Um just like Attack of the Clones was, so they're like poetry, they rhyme. And uh, 
yeah, I like uh, I like this area. Look, he's also upside down a lot, kind of signifying his world is getting turned upside down. He opens in the Wampa Cave upside Whoa. down. He trains upside down Very true. and ends upside down. Mike, that's incredible. So, you know, storytelling and cinematography. Rule of threes. Art. Exactly. Um, and this trading montage is so great because uh, right out the gate, you have Obi-Wan arguing with a ghost being like, I don't want to do this. I think this is a bad idea. This isn't going to work. And then Luke kind of gets it right. And he's like, no, 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 I'll be a good boy. I'll do my homework. Come on, let's go. And uh, yeah, and that's, you know, we're we're off. And of course, we're intercutting this with what the other party's doing. But this training montage is, uh, you know, on par with Rocky, right? He's running around the swamp. He's doing swamp stuff. When you got the swamp you stuff, on it's back. Like, this is the most complete Jedi training we get in the films. Like, we don't see Anakin's, but we see Luke jumping around the swamp with a Yoda backpack. Which That's he specifically true. says, Amazing. Uh, your Jedi reflexes. A Jedi reflexes is, is powered by the Force and their connection to the Force. That really, like, peppers my understanding of, like... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan can just, like, turn into the Flash. Or, like, we'll see later, Luke can just, like, leap a building. Like, yeah, they're in tune with the Force. That's how Jedi powers work. Right, and that also explains why, like, in the prequels, Dooku and Palpatine, these, like, old men can, like, suddenly become acrobatic sword fighters, you know? Yeah. By being attuned to the Force. And um, I want to talk about this cave scene where, where Luke has to go in and... um you know what's in there only what you take with you and like yoda just a little puppet looking at the ground kind of tapping his stick like he can't even look luke in the eye because he knows like it's whatever baggage you got man and nothing i can say can help you but yeah you will be kind of you know here's your here's your leap of faith you know here's here's your and this this i think is the the theme of the movie right is is a, a great yoda line do or do not there is no try that is the theme of this movie that there is either action or inaction and either has its consequences. That's why Han and Leia's relationship, like we're talking about, has stalled for three years. That there's, there's only do or do not. There is no try. Like that really resonates in everyone across this movie. Even as Vader is choking out his insubordinate or his subordinates for not succeeding you do or do not i didn't try to capture them you did not yeah right? and there's a consequence for that and even a guy we'll meet later on down the road who may or may not have had robot relations there's a similar effect to his actions so exactly. i like that theme a lot joe that's very good very astute and i thought i was cool for figuring now, out joe's breaking down. down all these fucking star wars movies <laughs> <laughs> this is the one to break down though there's so much meat yeah. on the bone and yeah i like that joe i i I can't help but think about again the Last Jedi and the the parallels between Yoda training so much so Luke Jacob. and then Luke you know has, you know reluctantly goes a dark training. cave she goes through dark um, cave this right. is what's There's happening to there. her she goes into that cave and or I'm sorry she goes underground yeah. he goes in that cave they're both having so your master is somehow capable of implying mental trials onto you I guess it's it's the test of fate i think is is how i viewed it right it's here's the it's the temptation of christ i mean it is the are you are you going to go to the light or are you going to go to the dark there's an easy way out there's the hard way there's do or do not right yeah and it usually um, shows you, you like your biggest fear or like you know your biggest insecurity, insecurity. And yeah, yeah and then you have to decide how you react to that yeah Jacob, you were the Absolutely. one I was most excited to talk about this with because, like you said, I can't stop thinking about the parallels with The Last Jedi. Obviously, we'll cover that movie in more detail in that movie, but like 
here are the, the two the two movies with I think the clearest themes are do or do not. There is no try and uh failure, failure the greatest teacher is. And they're yeah. both from yeah. Yoda and they're both like tied in together so well. I really can't help but think about how much I love The Empire Strikes Back and how much it makes me love The Last Jedi even more. Joe, I can't agree with you more. Uh, you know, I feel the same way. Could Yoda's message be fear leads to the dark side for the prequels? And then we have now one from him for each. Um, Yoda, Yoda, master of the Star Wars lessons. But then yeah, Luke's greatest fear is becoming Vader, then we can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Joining joining the dark side. Becoming corrupted by the dark side. Yeah. Which again, like we'll see, you know, with the reveal, it makes sense that that fear is hidden deep within him. Because there's also like, I know I wasn't on the Revenge of the Sith episode, but you guys kind of talked about the premonitions and whether they were planted by the Emperor. I don't buy any of that bullshit. I think that the Jedi and the Force sensitives have uh, a sixth sense, a, a Spidey sense, a Jedi sense, where they're in tune what's gonna, with what's going to happen. So I think because Luke is attached to the Force, deep down he knows that's his dad already. So his greatest fear is becoming his father, becoming the evil. And we absolutely get um, him having dreams, nightmares, similar to Anakin about his friends in danger, these the visions. Um, yeah, and and yeah, while on Dagobah. also Yoda also says about you know speaking of the prequels, you know the future is always in motion, so he can predict. He knows that his friends are in trouble, but Yoda even can't see if they're gonna if they're like gonna die or if they're in immediate lethal danger or not, and that. That's another thing I think about with the prequels, Anakin dreaming of uh, Padme dying. It's possible that he's, it's possible that that's one future thing that could happen, but he's almost like, you know, self-predicating it on himself. It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. which is what negative thought is, which is what the dark side is. Right. right. So by, by but, thinking, by dwelling on that, he's almost causing it to happen. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. And when faced with this choice now to stay and continue the training or go save his friends, right? Uh, he is advised to, if he cares about his friend's cause, to let them right, die. By Yoda and Obi-Wan. And they're actually right because, as we know, it is a trap, right? So Luke rejecting both of his wise master's advice and going off on his own because it's still showing that he's impulsive still, but he also cares a lot about his friends, even though he knows it could be a trap. Or he's kind of not buying into this whole Jedi binary system, right? Maybe. Yeah, hey, can be. we talk about the, the, yeah, the great like, Jedi. Can we talk about the ultimate yeah. irony, though, that this little frog's like, no, don't leave. Stay with me. And in a perfect world, I will continue to teach you. He didn't take Anakin on because Anakin was too old. He wants to take on this fucking 18-year-old, I guess, or fucking 25-year-old giant kid and be like, yes, you'll be a perfect <laughs> Jedi. Right. But also, he's probably he no trying choice. to learn from his mistakes of Anakin and trying to do things differently with Luke, maybe, as well. See, and I think these conversations are exciting. I think that's where the the prequels benefit, right? In the same mm-hmm. scene, they hurt and benefit. Because you also have the, the parallel between Luke and his father. He is his father. His father ran off and, you know, I'll take him now, and goes and fights Dooku. Like, it's the sure. same mistakes that they're making. He really is I can be following Vader. in his father's footsteps, and that's, like, yep. what scares Obi-Wan and Yoda so bad. 
It's like poetry. They're rhyming. Yeah. And Anakin rebels against Obi-Wan, Luke against Yoda, and Rey against and Luke. And before that, Last Ben Jedi. Solo and Luke. So, yeah, there's a lot of parallels here happening, but this is the originator. But he decides to leave and go find his friends against the wishes of Yoda and Obi-Wan. Ooh, just real quick, because Jacob said Ben Solo. Early on, when they're doing the escape to the asteroid belt, which I guess we'll talk about in a minute, so I could have saved this, but uh, yeah. Leia says, you'll make a mistake one day, and I would love to be there when it happens. And I immediately had a flash to Han Solo being like, put it down. Just come with me, son. Everything's okay. And I was like, oh, he does make a mistake one day. <laughs> oh, oh no. Yeah, so or she's trapped. We, we yeah. can talk about that right now, right? Because you have... You yeah, have, I think, uh, where are they? They're in the asteroid. Yeah, so that's where the other party is. They go to the, an asteroid field and sit. Jeez. Nothing happens. They have to fix the ship. This is Cantobite. And again, like, I hate to keep making these comparisons, but like, people complained about that because it doesn't really serve the plot. This doesn't really serve the plot. It's character development. This is where you see... Han and Leia really start to become Han and Leia through these conversations. Agreed, Joe. And I think every Star Wars movie has at least one side thing that doesn't really have any relevancy to the plot. I mean, you have pod racing and Phantom Menace. You have the droid thing on Geonosia. Um, you know, I could go on and on. But I think every, every Star Wars movie to this point has had that thing. And I think The Last Jedi, you know, it's Canto Bite. This is that thing for um, this movie. Chilling inside of a giant worm for 25 minutes is not <laughs> shooting <laughs> space bats. It is. Uh, we've See, I would it. say it is. Yeah. It's just character it's development. It's still great stuff, obviously. It is. Yes, it's the but best. this is a little more character It's based. the dialogue well, and the And the here's the reason, guys. You're saying the dialogue. We've talked about Irvin Kirshner, obviously, as the director. He's got an incredible touch. This is the first film. Keep in mind, George Lucas isn't writing as well. This is Lawrence Kasdan, guys. Larry Kasdan, maybe one of the most famous screenwriters mm-hmm. of all time. Uh, Stephen King's uh, The Dreamcatcher, obviously. That's what we all know him for. No, we know him for Indiana Jones. We know him for all the good Star Wars and for famously really taking over Solo. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the greatest screenwriter of all time. Wow. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's peppered by my favorite movies, but... Your tastes. But yeah, the uh, classics of American cinema, though, by every metric so um yeah we're hiding out in the asteroid just waiting for the empire to get by right we do get some good stuff here though you go i always want to call them morlocks but that's an x-men minox minox i did it wrong Uh, and you're saying we get a lot of good stuff we also get a lot of c-3po in these scenes guys where it's just like a lot of it was like busting his head in three stooges style to be like well actually and i'm like oh they were having a conversation but that's actually my favorite (laughs) that's my favorite c-3po stuff because you get Han's reactions to C-3PO, which are just like great too, like just sarcastic, like I hate you comebacks. Yeah, there's a, and like generally Leia is pretty like forgiving of him, but it builds to a point where even at her, they're just both like shut up to C-3PO yeah. near the end of the film. Like they all, they all get put He's up a piece with him, of but, shit. Um, deserves it. You know, there's that little scene where he walks in after after a little smooch and ski. That scene's hilarious. Like. Just great. Yeah, There's also you. um. Thank you very much. It's he's specifically talking to the ship, referring to the ship as a girl the entire time. Obviously, you know that's classic Americana. Your your car's your girl. 
but also like we know that that's literally the right. love of, uh, of Lando's life in that ship. And he says Destroyed. something to the effect of like, I don't know where your ship learned to talk, but she's got the most peculiar dialogue. And like, I, I'll be honest, like I kind of fondly thought like of Solo. This movie made me fondly think of Solo for a minute. That's crazy. In two places. Yeah, me too. I was like, wow, you know what? I appreciate what Solo did to make this. Like, It was additive to it. Um, that one line from 3PO. So I'm with you. Um, and when we get to Bespin again, too, I was like, wow, you know what? Okay, Solo. I guess I guess those those two lines. I don't know what it was. And, you know, it's because we're not sitting down and watching the whole movie and being like, oh, this drags like, oh, this. We're just thinking of like that moment, that one character being like, oh, OK, this is how it all ties together. Again, it just shows that like this is a sequel to one movie that came out in 1977 and then 1980. And we're talking about it 40 years later. And we're talking about the universe built around it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's just why this one holds so much water, like I said. Um, eventually, though, um, they find out that they're not really in a cave. They think they've kind of made it in the clear. There's no more Empire. They get the ship fixed. Uh, then we have to get a big escape, it turns out. Uh, what's the creature called? Trivia, pub trivia. Mm. You guys know? Uh, asteroid worm. I don't. Yeah, I just thought it was an asteroid worm. slug. Yeah, so it turns out we're not in a cave at all. We're in a giant creature, right? A fun little adventure moment. You got to get out, fly between something narrowly because it's a Millennium Falcon scene. They do. Um, and then they're off to uh, Han remembers, oh, I have an old buddy, uh, Lando Calrissian. You might be able to help us. They take their, their booties to Bespin, which is where our uh, B and C plots will converge into one shortly. So Wait, do you, do you have I'm the excited. answer? Do you know what it's called? That's going to kill me now. I will look it up <laughs> and I'll tell you guys after this break. All right, normies, as promised, I have looked up the name of the space creature. If you answered the Demogorgon, you would be wrong. The answer is Exogorth. <laughs> they are gigantic worms, and that's what we see in the movie, Exogorth. So oh, there you so go, close. guys. We, yeah, we almost had it. This yeah. cave is collapsing. This, this is, is no, no cave. cave. That's it's no right. moon. That's no it's moon. No I got a no bad feeling guys. <laughs> All right, so he rockets like, out no of the shit, mouth of that. This cave has teeth. Yep. And like uh, like Mike said, I got a buddy. His name's Lando Calrissian. Let's go check in with him. And they just fly off to Bespin Cloud City. And here's what I, I love about what, where we've been so far. We've been on a snow planet, on a swamp planet. Now we're on an air planet. We've kind of experienced a, most of the elements almost. Like it's very like the all the locations are iconic. We touched on that at the beginning and that's why it feels like such an adventure because everything is so distinct. And I, I love more creative than sand much yeah. more. And we already covered sand. So really we've seen them all. Yeah. But five more that's movies are going to so cover big. sand after this Joe and say that it's on different planets. Yeah, exactly. And, or we get salt. So anywho, um, we're in Cloud City. We meet Lando. What do we think about meeting? Well, like we said, with Solo now being a Star Wars story, the first time you meet Lando in this, though, how fucking charming is Billy D. Williams? So fucking Super charming. charming. It's Billy D. He's about to down a 40 of Colt 45 in front of you. But here's my real thing, Han. guys. Han. 
Uh, and we get the great backstory for that, Mike. Yeah, uh, I don't like how you guys are saying what a great connection Solo is. I, there were a couple lines where he's like, hey, that's the Millennium Falcon. I used to love that ship. It's a really good ship. It goes fast. And like, that's all he says about it. But like, in hindsight, you would be like, wait, that's the ship that has my robot brain in it. I love that ship. Please give me that ship back. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, uh, he even says, uh, <laughs> Cyborg or, uh, C-3PO introduces himself and says, I'm C-3PO, human cyborg relations. And all I could think was like, oh, don't say that to Lando. <laughs> yeah, you weirdo. <laughs> he's also introduced as a great card player. Uh, Han says that. He's like, he's a great card player as he's like flying through the sky. I was like, ah, that is like a cool fact about him. It is. It is. I, I don't know, man. Again, like I'm not singing the praises of Solo all of a sudden, but thinking about it with the knowledge we have and watching this again, it just kind of like... It's the first time I've rewatched it since I've seen Solo, and I think that kind of like peppered it for me. And it's also it the first time sucks. since I met Billy D. Oh, <laughs> oh that's very that's true, right. Joe. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of fun for me to be like, there he is, man. Like, I hung out with that guy this summer, and that's why. And he still got that's it, amazing, right, Joe? Man. Oh, he still got it. He's smoother than ever, baby. Cool Talked all about go. jazz, and, uh, you know, he would tell stories. You know, we're, we're talking about Bespin now anyway, right? So. Mm-hmm. He's he's gonna betray him. We'll get to that in a minute. But Billy D, uh, I asked him about his favorite memories of Star Wars and like if it ever got old, like that kind of thing. And he said, well, the only thing that got old is kids coming up to me at comic book conventions and they hated me because I was the one who betrayed Han Solo. I'm like kids Ooh. coming up and being mad at me over what I did to Han. See, this, <laughs> like, this is my thing with Lando. Like I love Lando the character. But then also, I think it's interesting that, you know, at this point, he's the first and only black person in Star Wars ever, right? And then he's the one that betrays the heroes. You know, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> that could be he's like their shady yeah, friend. I guess that's true. I don't know. If you go back to our original Star Wars episodes, you'll remember I said you could take Lando out of these movies and it wouldn't fucking change a thing for me. This time I I, I was a little more happy. Like Joe said, having seen Solo since then, I was a little happier to see him. Yeah, I'm kind of I was down with uh, what was added there, like knowing about his robot lady. But also um, someone mentioned, you know, he's a poker player. How cool is that? He's bluffing the whole time. He's like, Ah, yeah, ha, no, what a beautiful girl. Come on in, you know, guards, leave these guys alone. Look at our fountains. Come on through. By the way, this is a conference room. And then Darth Vader, you know, like... Darth Vader got here a while ago. He owns this place. I'm fucked. We would be honored if you'd join us. (laughs) Sorry, dude. Damn, Lando, I really liked you. That moment when they open the doors and it's just Darth Vader sitting at that table. I think the first time I saw that, I thought, Oh, this is like a dream or something. Like <laughs> I didn't even believe it. Like that was even a bigger surprise to me as far as I can remember than the, you know, Luke, I am your father twist because I was just like, what the fuck? What's Darth Vader doing there? I just want to just like turns around so casually. <laughs> yeah, they're about to he eat turns dinner. Around. Oh, hello. Um, but yeah, but like Lando accomplishes like becoming likable to immediate betrayal in like two minutes. Like, it's a really short amount of time. And then he does become likable later. Like, he gets redeemed after that, too. Because he gets he redeemed when he puts Han's clothes on, he becomes likable. <laughs> when he gets on the ship and he's like, hey, by the way, did Han have any clean shirts? <laughs> I hate or that best? he puts on Han's clothes at the end of this movie. That might be that might be my my Sith of the episode. Is yeah, why is he wearing, on Han's clothes? He's wearing Han's I don't know, best. very strange. Han put all of his shit in his cape closet. <laughs> 
That's very true. <laughs> Guys, I have to hit you with this real quick. I brought up last episode the reaction um, that this was the first time we'd seen A New Hope since The Princess Diaries, Carrie Fisher's book had come out where she talked about the sort of salacious relationship she had had with maybe a married Harrison Ford. Um, today, uh, well, let's not say today. Let's say there's an article on November 26th, in fact, uh, that just came out. People asked Billy D what he thought of that relationship on set. And he was in an interview today where he has a quote where he says, and I think this is the most Billy D thing any person on the planet could say. He says, to me, it never mattered what kind of person you were, who you were, what you were sucking, what you were fucking, who you were sucking, what you were fucking. And he just kind of goes on to say that it doesn't matter. But the idea that a man that old is still saying sucking and fucking so much is incredible to me. It's Billy D. That's also I mean, when I interviewed him, he was wearing like a pimp suit. Like it was (laughs) crazy how cool this guy is. That's amazing. It's also very Lando stance to be like, we don't care if it was man on robot. (laughs) You guys do what you want. I'm not going to (laughs) judge. Hey, that's all good. Uh, Lando, don't judge, baby. (laughs) Go on in. You need a room. But uh, yeah, Darth Vader's like, oh, I'll be honored if you'll join us. We get betrayed by a guy that we liked for two minutes. And by a guy we liked for two minutes. And Han just tries to. Straight up shoot him in the face. I love that. He's just like, like oh, you're Darth Vader? Yeah, and then bam, Vader bam, just bam. stops it with his hands, which is never a thing that we ever see again that Jedi can do where they just you are stop. Wrong, I think that's his robot parts. I think he's just sort of absorbing it. No, you're both wrong. Uh, this is the second force power we see used by Vader and the first force power we see used by Kylo Ren. So it is. Mm-hmm. A, oh, that's true. But he just stops it in the air loves. and it's just hanging in the air as opposed to. Darth See, Vader. I think of it as like special effects at the time. But that you know is cool. I mean? Yeah, that is another cool connection yeah. there. Stopping it in the air is one step away from pushing it away from you. You have to bring yeah. something to yeah. complete yeah. stop. That's just physics. I don't know. Hey, speaking of cool, do you guys like Lando's assistant Lobot? <laughs> He's Hell Lobot. Yeah, hey, Jacob, if you had a droid watch, <laughs> would Lobot be up there on uh, best droid for this movie? Does he, he might be, yeah. yeah. He reminds me of a guy that would be in Star Trek. You know, he, he just does. seems like a star. Yes. He has like a Star Trek he's, uh, head thing. Jordy on. with ears instead. Yeah. I mean, basically, he's just wearing Picard you know, mixed with AirPods. I, I, yeah, basically, he's like Borg Picard. Yeah. When did those AirPods drop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like his little guy. Uh, Boba Fett's in this room too, though. So you got Vader. Uh, the whole gang of stormtroopers come, and oh, geez, you know our our B party is captured, and uh, you know Luke's still on the way. Uh, oh, now here's a connection with something that's happening now the mandalorian do you think that this makes the mandalorian a little worse because we see han getting frozen in carbonite but that's just a thing that they had they had that whole carbonite freezing set up on cloud city now it's like a thing that bounty hunters just have in their ships that's like a portable thing i don't know i thought about that too jacob my my thought process or the headcanon i've become okay with is mandalorian is you got to think 10 years after this so Mm -hmm. in that 10 year period you would assume bounty hunters are like holy shit did you know boba fett learned that you can just freeze (laughs) that's true instead of having them in your car i like that 
Like, wait, so now, what? now this Mandalorian <laughs> just has it uh, a portable carbonite setup, and you just Bosk was there, IG eighty eight was there. A lot of bounty hunters were on the stations. So yeah, and they were the highest profiles. Like, dude, these That's guys true. Out how to carbonite? Do you guys think Mike? Do you think that's true? Do you think they are the most uh, high profile? And Mike, do you think Boba is the best bounty hunter in the sector galaxy? Blah blah blah. Naparsec. I say the, the so. Yeah, they, they're definitely the best because Vader's like, I'll pay whatever you want. You know, you guys are and the so best. And so Dengar, a guy who's just like an old man covered with bandages, he's one of the best. <laughs> he's got some crazy backstory, too. Um, all of these don't guys are book. featured so much in the expanded yeah, universe. You guys don't know about Zuckus. it. About Zuckus. 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 with like a bug head, right? No, that's that's yes. uh, the other guy. Zuckus is like the guy standing next to him, and then the droid has a different name. But the toys, oh. the I was just reading this today. They switched the names on the toys, so a lot of people are confused. But actually, for oh. RLN or whatever, there's the droid, and then oh. Zuckus is the alien. Was I right? That's with funny. Dengar. I is only knew name? because of Zuckus. That is Dengar. Yeah, oh, Zuckus wow. is like a flea monster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I literally just had that backwards because I only knew from the toys. From the toys, yeah. I was just, uh, I just read that today. All right, Jacob. Here is my special edition. We get the pan over. It's all of them. Space Wolf is there. He's in the background. He's not replaced by vaping guy from <laughs> Bring the first back, movie. George. He's been spiced into this movie as a bounty hunter. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. There was a werewolf Jedi in the uh, Gendi Tarka. You know the. Clone oh yeah, he, yeah. I like to imagine. <laughs> I like to imagine there's just a whole planet of wolf men running around. The Twilight. No, I'm kind of yeah. into <laughs> what Mike just said. I think he might be a werewolf. I think he might be a mythological creature in space at a space bar. Hey, why not? He's <laughs> werewolf by night. That's right. Um, American werewolf in werewolf mo- by two suns, Joe. <laughs> it most likely, yeah. Carolinian Cro- werewolf in most likely. There you go, Bob. That's right. So besides werewolves, there's a wolf in sheep's clothing in Lando Calrissian, and he had just turned in our heroes. This begins also one of the first times uh, C-3PO gets dismantled, uh, but we learn that Another connection to Attack of the Clones, right? This number two movie, he gets dismantled. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mandalorian. Jacob, aren't these little people who dismantle him and do the the carbonization later? They, but they are oh. Nick Nolte's character, the the sort of yes. Species. Oh, I have spoken. They are. I didn't they realize are, that they are the same, and they are called Ugnots. Ugnots. I have spoken. Um, I guess they're yeah. my favorite now. So that's how he, they can fix his <laughs> ship in a couple of days because Ugnots are very good at mechanical engineering kind of. Yeah. Wow. They're basically like the fucking lollipop guild of of fixing up ships. Oh, um, I don't like. Also, that. speaking I of don't like that at all, Joe. there was a a moment that i was watching it where you have all the bounty hunters lined up and you have boba and ig88 right next to each other and all i was like holy shit man it's like i can't wait for the next episode of the man here they are now disintegrations is here (laughs) yeah that's this that's crazy there's a lot of connections i didn't realize that ugnots were even a thing 
before the Mandalorian until this. Yep. Oh, you guys well, want to talk absolute about... connections. How about, uh, sorry to cut you off, Mike, but how about there's a guy, and I'm sorry, this is the stupidest thing to bring up, but I have to just because we're doing it. There's a guy, the guy who says, oh, I don't know, uh, there's no life forms. Oh, wait, I'm getting a signal. In his snow speeder who finds Luke and Han, he looks exactly yeah. like Jon Favreau. And when I was watching it, I was like, Jon Favreau <laughs> plays all these characters in the Star Wars universe. He does voices, mocap, blah, blah, blah. Just be this guy. You are that guy. <laughs> Sure. Luke, where are you? No life forms. Um, he's the guy that he's like, that I'll see you in hell at the beginning. We skipped over that. That's like a weird moment where the guy's like, yeah, oh, is, I'm worried so about weird. your safety. You got to be careful. And he's like, I'll fuck you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Space hell. Because it's almost like he's insulting Luke and he's like, don't fucking talk about Luke. He's still alive. Yeah, right. It's true. He's just his little buddies out there. Um, but now his little buddies coming to rescue them because Darth Vader. It's setting it's a, trap. a trap, all right? Essentially, exactly. It's a trap. It's a trap. And I love this setup because he's like, Boba Fett or somebody's like, oh, yeah, we don't want the Emperor's prize to be killed. So uh, just test it on Han Solo. Bring, bring him <laughs> yeah. in here. Did you guys realize that Leia screams out, it's a trap in perfect Mon Calamari? I mean, it's like crazy <laughs> how many of these movies have people scream, it's a trap. Large D parties could use someone pointing out the traps because <laughs> you got to know when it's a trap. Exactly. Otherwise, you'll take serious damage. Yeah, do you guys so then, like? Sorry. Do you ahead. guys like how Boba Fett, when he has lines now, it is overdubbed with uh, Tamara Morrison, who played Django, and obviously in uh, the prequels. Anytime. Is that a little New Zealand accent there? Now. Don't hurt him. <laughs> he mean, he's that wasn't a lot the deal. To me. Um, I, I, I don't hate it, but I kind of prefer maybe the original because that's what I grew up with. But yeah, it's not that distracting. It's not as distracting as Windows and in, in Bespin, let's say. Oh, Windows and Bespin. Mm. There's oh, my band name. <laughs> but Luke does eventually show up. Uh, Han gets frozen. Leia and uh, Chewbacca are taken back into jail, right back into holding. Um and we kind of get into the... Oh, real quick. Sorry, before that, Mike, he gets tortured. He gets taken into the interrogation uh, droid. And he like screams. Vader's like, I'm going to get you and stuff. And later that he's brought back to the dungeon, Han's face is painted white. His lips are painted blue. And he looks up at Chewie and says, I feel terrible. And it's, it's the one oh, moment yeah. in these movies where I was like, wow, I've never related to these so much. The other thing he says that like oh, fucking kills me too is he's like he didn't even ask me any questions. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, right. Yeah. He straight up says so, he, he didn't even ask me any me. questions. Me just anything. a trap to get Luke because I think the more pain he's in, the more Luke can feel him with the Force, right? Oh my God, you're yeah. totally I think he right, knows Jacob. That. Damn, that makes Vader so. And Vader got so much more well developed in this one. Um, but I love that like he Chewbacca like breaks free of his his restraints. And starts throwing stormtroopers off. And then a stormtrooper pulls up his gun. But Vader's just like, nah, man. Right, yeah. Just let him rage a little bit. Like, Vader <laughs> yeah. just lets him kill so some stormtroopers. Cool. Like, That's great. Nah, I want to watch this for a minute. But While we're talking uh, about uh, cool Vader things, I just want to bring up the fact that Vader, like, chokes out three different, like, Imperial officers in this movie. <laughs> he's running out of people to kill at one point. Like he's just like, all right, you're promoted. Yeah. You're Admiral. dead. There's you're a promoted, moment very dead. early on after Joe talks about the iconic introduction shot behind him where it cuts to an admiral who's walking and a captain says, Admiral. And the admiral goes, uh, yes, captain. And he like runs over to him and he's like, blah, blah, blah. We're doing this. We think they're on Hoth. Uh, okay, do this. 
where I'm like, wow, everybody on that fucking ship is so tense and just like oh, worked yeah. up. And can you imagine be, like, being in the Empire? Jacob, it oh, would be terrible. Suck. <laughs> like just even being an officer, it's like, oh, now I got, you know, I'm so high up now in the military, but, but that oh, means I'm closer mistake, to Vader gonna... <laughs> chokes. Yeah. The higher up yeah. I am. One mistake yeah. and you're dead. You want to stay off that Star Destroyer because, yeah, if you do too well, then you're you're underneath Vader and you don't want him as a boss. Yeah. <laughs> Just float in the middle, baby. Which is I'll why it's, it's kind of unbelievable that uh, Finn was the first stormtrooper to ever be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out of here. I get nervous <laughs> like, at night and I just need to go. It's like, <laughs> no, we all need to go, man. He should have gotten to that escape pod and there should have been 50 other stormtroopers like, oh, you're late yeah. to the party, dude. How are they not, not having revolts like every night of just like people leaving? They don't seem to have like shore leave either. Like I don't think the Empire believes in that. Yeah, they're just <laughs> always working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a rough life, man. Yeah, no thank you. No thank you. Getting thrown off of a thing by a Wookiee just because <laughs> your boss is like, this is entertaining. Let him rage. Yeah, I'll stick with the em- no. I'll stick with the rebels. But maybe that's it. Maybe he like knows that the more these people are raging, the more Luke will feel it. So yeah. he's yeah. totally motivated to be like, no, don't shoot the Wookiee. Let him kind of feel this pain because then Luke will pick up on that. Maybe because I always exactly. wondered, why does he like not take Leia with like as prisoner too? Why is he only like asking for Han? Well, he from does. Lando? Remember, he he says, "I'll br- take Leia and Wookiee to my ship," and then Lando's like, "That that's wasn't right. the deal," and he says. I, I've altered I've the deal. Altered the Pray deal. I don't Pray alter it further. further. We Wait, all want to see worse all the time. So badass. Yeah. And again, this is uh, I love you. I know. Classic ad lib from Harrison Ford that happens Classic. right before he gets the big freeze. Um, so on gets good. loaded on Boba's ship. Jacob, scandal. you said his ship has the coolest name, Slave One. You said that's really cool. <laughs> I don't know about that, dude. I didn't say that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Definitely did not say that. I don't know what you're talking about. It definitely shows that whoever's piloting that ship is probably a bad guy. Yeah. It's the coolest yeah. design ever, though. The fact that it flips forward yeah, and goes down. Yeah, I like how down. it goes vertical. You don't see Very that until cool. um, Valkyrie's ship and Thor Ragnarok, where it takes the exact yeah. same yeah. design. Oh, yeah. It is. Um, I mean, it's on par with the Millennium Falcon in terms of like most iconic one-off vehicles. Like These are not TIE Fighters and X-Wings. These are people know the ship. People see the Slave One come and they run. Yeah, and that's what's kind of cool about the Bounty Hunters is like we only see Boba Fett's ship, but just seeing those guys be like, I bet they all got a unique ship. What's Dengar's ride like? That boss is just like a big egg that just flies through space. And he's like, la, 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 la. <laughs> they got cool <laughs> names like the Houndstooth. And like, you know, they, they have some cool shit. I think Dengar has one. Um, but yeah, yeah we don't know anything about building. Yeah. We, at this point, you don't know anything about Mandalorians or anything, you know, their whole backstory, why they wear the armor. You just Boba see this cool Fett guy looks in armor. Cool. He has no lines, but he looks cool. Hardly. So much to the point that as a kid, the biggest possession I ever had was, and I've brought this up maybe a thousand times on this podcast, my brother doing trades at school got the Star Wars Tops card of Boba Fett with the white border, which I guess like made it rare or whatever. He was like, guys, we've got it. The Boba Fett card. I mean, just because he was cool looking. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know people that are like huge fans of Boba Fett. Uh, just because, you know, he's cool. He doesn't do much, um, but he's just there. He's just silent and intimidating or mostly silent. And he's he's just a badass. 
Should we talk about the holiday special? Like that. that was his introduction right before this. Technically, this is his <laughs> yeah, first film, quote talk unquote. About yeah, if you that. haven't seen the special edition insert oh, in he's the Java in that? scene. He was introduced oh yeah, with the that. weird yellow-green um, colors and with the gun Arcanium, that the Mandalorian yeah. now uses. Yeah, that gun became canon through the Mandalorian before it was only in the holiday special, as well mm-hmm. as Life Day is now canon. So the holiday special, just in time for the holidays, uh, officially I think canon they'll drop it on and, Christmas. Uh, I think him. that'll be the gift this I year. I really hope so. Well, oh, Chewbacca man. also has his family in that that never comes up again. Well, we don't know if the family's canon, <laughs> but Life Day is. Lumpy. And that Life Boba Day's Fett canon. Is. Yep. And and uh, Boba Fett's, you know, it dis or uh, not Boba Fett, Mandalorian's disintegration rifle that right. that Boba had. And Vader right. says no disintegrations to Boba Fett. So another connection there. Yeah. yeah, it's great stuff. Favreau was originally going to do that series quickly. With Boba Fett and IG-88 in mind, it's no surprise that we get a Mandalorian and IG-11. A lot of those yeah. ideas were already in place. So, But Han Solo's been taken off world. Luke Skywalker is arriving. Shall we get into one of the most epic showdowns in cinema history? The Hell finale? Yeah. Hell Empire yeah. Strikes Back. <sighs> Search your feelings. We'll be right back. We're back, and Luke Skywalker has pulled his X-Wing out of the mud, right? Used the Force, and uh, now he's on his way back. Got R2-D2 loaded up. He's going to look for his friends against the advisement of Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Is this the most epic ending of the Star Wars? Does Jedi beat it out? I don't know, but I love this sequence. I think the pacing up to this point has been great. The tension building. We've lost a hero, right? Luke, you got to go save him. Rock and roll. But Mike, don't you think you know, this is the first time script notes come out where they're like, okay, what people loved in the last one was when our two really old men sort of whacked sticks at each other. So we've got this young guy in this one and the bodybuilder, he's getting better. Let's do a fucking showdown. And this set, I mean, my God, the smoke, the blue, the orange, oh, like yeah. the use of texture, like Looks what so an good. amazing set piece. For There's a lot of falling. You guys brought up the upside down before, but now just exploring that, as you've said, which has like rocked my world. There's so much like movement, but movement down from the top. That's really like, again, the ground is just out from underneath Luke. And there's so much light and shadow, which, again, it's the, what he's battling between the light side and the dark side. And the whole thing is happening with obscured and semi-obscured views. It's It's incredible. And what's interesting about this is Luke... Is the first one to draw his lightsaber. And then Vader pulls his out, and he's even using one hand I'll take at the him beginning. First. You can tell he's not trying. Exactly, right? The Jedi yeah. pulling. It's Han impulsive. Solo shoots first. Luke Skywalker pulled his weapon first. Doesn't have oh, patience. No patience. This is, um, you know, I, I had said before, like, oh, Duel of Fates, it's hard to beat it. This is hands down my favorite fight in all of Star Wars history. And I think Duel of Fates rips everything that makes this one work. And uses it to its benefit. Because um, there are a lot of parallels in these two two fights. 
the changing of locations, even the the set design is similar. But man, this fight is incredible. Yeah, they like even separate the, the combatants for a little bit to give us a moment to exhale and you know focus. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching this again too, especially just the use of practical effects. When a lightsaber hits a pipe and sparks explode and it cuts in half, like they had to do that for real, not on a computer. They had to think ahead with the choreography and if they fucked up a take, they had to reset that pipe and the sparks and you know, right. just that little work like makes it just feel so much more tangible. I, I love this fight. It is very, very good. Yeah, I love this we fight as Luke well. We see Luke use a force jump, mm-hmm. which is jump. like out of nowhere, like, oh, okay, he can do this. And then Vader's like, oh, impressive. So like you're really seeing him test out his powers. You're watching Vader almost in a way be proud of his son. Like, I don't know, man, it doesn't get any better. Yeah. Agreed. I, I also love this fight. And I mean, it looks amazing. Like like you said, with the blue smoke in the background and the blue and the orange and the colors. Ah, oh, just so good. And Vader starts throwing shit with the Force at him. Yeah, he rips like, oh, that okay, thing off which the wall. is a new power. A we, real we've Palpatine seen a pull. Now we see a throw. And when he does that, it, I, it seemed like he didn't even move his hand. He just kind of looked at it and just used his eyes to move it, which is crazy because you don't really see that very often. It just kind of shows how a strong hand he gesture. is. Yeah, he can do it without the hand because he's so powerful. Yep, and then this is being intercut between Luke is essentially buying time for Lando to help Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2, and Leia chase after Han, but then they need to escape on the Falcon because they do not get there in time. So this is kind of the two beats we're going between is their escape and Luke's epic battle. The only thing uh, that I have a slight problem with, and I, I love this fight scene, is Darth Vader, his fight style in this, compared to what Anakin was like in the prequels, doesn't really match up because he's still like two hands on the lightsaber, very like kind of lumbering. Yeah, but he's got a Frankenstein body now, Jacob. He truly struggles to move in that thing. Anakin Skywalker yeah. fucking did backflips. Yeah, he doesn't look very acrobatic, but he does look almost like a force of nature because he's so strong with his strikes that he can just overpower you, but he doesn't have the agility that young Anakin had. But I just don't yeah. see the same scent, the same style of, of fighting from them. But he knows that it's Anakin. Maybe he knows that it's his son. He could be taking it easy. The same argument people make for Kylo and Force Awakens, but not going too far there. But he could have been taking it easy because at the end of the day, he doesn't want to defeat Luke. He wants to turn Luke. That's true. And then he does cut off his arm and then then he's kind of like, join me, you know. Yeah. Makes sense. Like I said, Luke turns on his lightsaber first. Vader just wants to chat, say, hey, son, you want to come be evil? You know, Luke's Luke's instigating so he's just trying to get a chance to talk to his boy hey in what universe though would vader aka anakin skywalker ever guess that his son was just taught lightsaber stances by yoda basically his kind of most sworn enemy of the past the reason he is not on the jedi council yeah the one who said he was too young to begin the training and then oh he has trained you now that's a big spit in my face right yeah how come you don't want me there was an interesting thing I realized is, you know, this is the second time that the Jedi have told someone that they were training, specifically Yoda and Obi-Wan, push down your worries about people you care about. Because Anakin would have dreams about his mother. They would say, oh, ignore it. You'll be fine, right? And then his mother ends up dying. And then same thing with Luke. Like, hey, oh, yeah. you worried about your friends? Ignore like, them. Stay Dad, here. And uh, it's, when I have thoughts at night, I think about other guys. No, no, no. Push that down. Push that down. You don't right, think that. Right, You're hey. totally normal. It's like, no, I'm I'm normal. But, you know, he's like, no, I have feelings. 
and like no no suppress whatever feelings they are right and like you're creating these monsters right like it's just interesting to look at it that way yeah but i almost feel like everything they're doing like if you look at it in retrospect with the prequels it almost seems like everything they're doing with luke is to try to prevent what they did with anakin so they're trying to do it differently but almost falling into the same mistakes they're very open yeah and just shows again like i was saying in the prequels the jedi order i almost compare it to like organized religion versus like finding your own like spirituality for yourself like the Jedi order is just blind to certain things and they're kind of rigid in their, in their views. They have altruistic goals, but kind of the way they go about it gets a little skewed over through the bureaucracy and everything. But, um, you know, Luke's out here doing it, fighting his dad, um, hanging out literally sometimes. Um, I mean, we talked a little bit about the first time you heard the, no, I am your father. How do we think this holds up now with the prequels in mind? And we know that, Ian McDermott's replacement emperor was added to kind of flesh out the backstory. There's one moment in particular that really takes me out of it with the uh, Palpatine scene. They added dialogue because Palpatine literally says to Vader, search your feelings. You will know it to be true. So it lessens the moment when Darth Vader says it to Luke which is like, Oh, you're just repeating what the fucking emperor told you when before hey, it's you're like a puppet. Yeah. So I didn't like that, that the emperor would say it to him first. Um, but still a good scene at the end there. Do you guys know the the on set story? Um, just the idea of what was actually being said. Of course it was covered up. David Prowse was not really saying those lines, uh, because they did want to keep it a secret. In fact, he was saying just because Jacob, you were talking about repeating, uh, he was saying exactly what Obi-Wan says in the first one. He says, um, Obi-Wan didn't tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth now. Uh, I killed your father. So what he's saying is, I killed Anakin Skywalker, but he, but that's not something Luke would go. No, that's impossible. So I think right. they had to have known in that. They moment. told Luke. I think the thing is that yeah. George yeah, Lucas Mark told Hamill Luke did know how to told play. Mark Hamill. Yeah, but it was probably There's surprising no to David Prowse. His reaction was probably surprising. Yeah, because he was not saying those lines on set. Yeah, no, it was very <laughs> hush hush. He's got to be like, damn, this kid's really selling it, huh? Yeah, really hamming it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he does lose his hand. Um, we Anakin, lose Han and we lose hand. And Anakin loses his hand in the prequels, obviously. Right? With Dooku. So, Did you guys yeah, ever think the hero would in, lose the fight? No, never. Not at that time, no. I thought he was the coolest guy. I saw him cut the arm off of a wampa, fly up and open the hatch on an ATAT, you know, f- lift up the X Wing with the power of his mind. How is he going to lose to Darth Vader? This guy's a badass. Lo and behold, he loses to Vader. He loses a hand. They lose a friend. C-3PO's disassembled. What are we going to do now? It's crazy. you just brought up an incredible point in the fact that the entire film is built around watch Luke use his lightsaber. He's very good at it. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Vader really never turns his lightsaber on until that final fight. And even then, it's like, you were just trained by the greatest Jedi Master ever. I am the embodiment of evil. You cannot beat evil. Yeah, and he's been toying with him the whole time. And you see just like, all right, you do a force jump, Luke, but Vader's like pulling switches on the gas chamber and throwing shit at him. Like you can tell that Vader's on a whole nother level um, compared to Luke, even though Luke has been training all this time. It's just made to establish that this is why this guy was so intimidating in the first movie because he really wasn't established as that. Yeah, I mean, we have the the first movie, Star Wars, right? That's 
later called A New Hope, right? Mm -hmm. And then the end of this movie is a total loss of hope. It is mm-hmm. the the destruction of the the heroes. They 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 lose. I mean, it's uh, you know, like you can compare it to Infinity War now, right? Like that's kind of what kids these days were like. Could you believe the Avengers lost? It's like, yeah, Luke Skywalker lost. Yeah, the Avengers lost. It happens. The mm-hmm. cliffhanger of Han, and yeah, Luke having just lost and lost his arm, and then you the know, revelation for- of the father. Yeah, and, and if you saw this movie when it first came out, for you had to wait like two years just to find out what happened to Han. That must have been crazy. And he got frozen in carbonate because Harrison Ford wasn't sure if he wanted to come back. So he's like, yeah, uh, I'm done with give that. me a chance uh, to be dead. So they had a way to write him out if they needed to. Just in case, that yeah, which we're going to get to that next week. But what, what, in, what a bleak ending, though. Like, you know, Luke is literally hanging upside down for the third time in this film, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but to get he to the actual, out. he bails out, he falls on because he knows the Millennium Falcon's nearby. Leia, he can feel her. They've always had a strong connection. And she feels him, she right? Feels so him. She feels him. That's the thing I wanted to bring up. Guys. There you go. That's the thing I was going to bring up as well. Rewatch <laughs> yeah, so The Last not Jedi. out of nowhere. But yeah, so she is starting to Rewatch show Rewatch The Last Jedi. Jacob's watch order is Revenge of the Sith, Empire Strikes Back, The Last Jedi in that order. <laughs> But we'll, uh, I'm going to be paying close attention to Return of the Jedi on the next watch to see if she ex- exhibits any more uh, kind of sensitivity. But this is the first one that we're seeing. Uh, so, yeah, he knows that they're down there. And he, he lets go. He makes the choice to believe in good and drop to a bottomless pit. Do or do not. That's right. Oh, and, you know, you're right. who's there flying the ship to save him? Lando, Leia. A Dewey. scumbag. In his friend's who, clothes. He, who he says, doesn't know. I did the best I could. I got a lot of people to worry about. Like he he tried I can't fly to the ship in a cave. Yeah, like what impossible. else what else could he have done in the situation where the emp- the Empire showed up right before then? Like if he would have turned him down, they just probably would have killed him or put him in prison. So I understand but why. Then he was able to tell the citizens to flee, and he ends up doing the right thing at the end of the day. And he's still got to make up for it. He still owes us. So he'll we'll he'll get redeemed in Jedi. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah but and we'll like, never get a solo is... three where we see how he becomes mayor of Bespin, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted I'll tell you, a there's gambling a, game. A change I absolutely despise. So we're talking about the the ending of this movie, right? Yes. Um, one of my favorite things about it is that it like as bleak as the ending is, it ends with. Uh, our, our heroes looking out at the sky, seeing the stars, seeing the infinite possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. And then a crazy wipeout. We're done. The Disney Plus version, did you guys watch that one? No, I, I did. did not. Yeah, I did. It, it instead pulls out and shows the entire fleet, and like it just kind of ruins that last moment to me. Yeah, there's a bunch of like space bullshit happening out of the window. Yeah, just like it takes really? out the iconic it's... shot of them laying on each other. The way Leia is sort of holding Luke, and they're like recovering <laughs> together after what they've been through. Yeah, after uh, kissing right, him twice yeah. in this movie. Yeah, she does on the lips. again at that ending scene on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah, yeah really just uh, which is I weird. don't know the idea of like. Even though all hope is lost, they're still together. They're looking out at all the possibilities. I liked that ending. Um, to have it just like and be like, but look at all these cool fucking spaceships. I don't need that. Like these movies 
at the core is, aren't just about the space battles. They're about the characters, and that's why Empire Strikes yeah, Back and then is so it cuts great. To a squid. Yeah. I don't think we needed that. It just goes back to George Lucas's obsession with adding in a bunch of CGI bullshit to his movies, which is mostly bad. Stop doing yeah. that, George. Yeah, I'm looking at the 2011 release that I have, um, and yeah, it cuts to a big exterior shot of the spaceship. There's a bunch of Y-wings, and it's it's messy. So I think that's been around since like the original touch-ups, but I much I prefer the it. window. Yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, this is a solid, solid entry. I mean, you get all of like. Everything you want from Star Wars, an epic battle, the heroes winning, and then you get it all pulled out from under you, and what's going to happen next? Great stuff. An incredible right. movie from start to finish. Yeah, should we Anything talk about like the core one? Plot? Ad- Not the core plot to this, Mike, but I think we got to talk about the one addition to the canon, which, of course, if you know the podcast normies, we always talk about the uh, extras, you know, the add-ons to these series, the video games, the comics. This one you have to talk about like the other franchise that was born out of it, which was Shadow of the Empire, a stealth sequel released in our time. That is nothing. I mean, it's not a movie, but it was books, comics, toys, and a very famous video game. Written yeah. by Lawrence Kasdan. There you go. Lawrence is back. Shadow of the Empire is very popular. Um, I haven't. I don't have much experience with like the game or anything or this story, what? but I know it's like... Mike, this wasn't a huge one for you? You didn't put in the code Wampa to become a Wampa? I did not. I was not a Shadow of the Empire. I hope I'm not uh, outed as a poser or anything, but if you can fill me in on what was Turn so in your Star it. Wars badge. You are not allowed to like Star Wars anymore if you didn't like this one oh. weird knockoff. Jeez. You can sit on the council, but I will not be granted the rank of That's master. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're back. We're wrapping up Star Wars here. Um, we're being encased in carbonite, guys. But before that happens, um, you know, Joe, I love you. I know. Okay, thank you. Uh, but of course, we always have to do what we've been doing on this podcast for Star's Vember, Warsember, which is doing our good, our bad, and our ugly are, of course, our Jedi, our Sith, and our Jar Jar. Again, Jar Jar is always the ugly of this franchise gang. So we're going to be talking about that. I'll go ahead and start here for this film, the fifth film in the franchise, Empire Strikes Back. We're halfway there, guys, so think about that, too. But uh, when I'm thinking about the Mm -hmm. good in this movie, I mean, you guys have said it. All of it's very good, Um, particularly a lot of the performances, a lot of the leads. I like seeing what we're getting with Luke, as I mentioned before. He was an idiot. Now he's a little more quiet. And the next one, he's going to be very stoic. And then eventually he's going to become a crazy old hermit. And that's sort of a ride that I'm here for now. Uh, <laughs> if we're talking about the bad, in this one specifically, I mentioned it before. The planet hopping, you know, you guys are excusing it because it is Star Wars. And there was a lot of wars in this Star Wars. And I think that's very cool. But the pacing of it is like, oh, we're still on Hoth. Oh, we're still on Dagobah. 
oh, we're still on Bespin. Like there's a lot of times where I'm like, all right, just fast forward a little bit. Just just cut out a little bit of the meat here. Uh, and then if we have to talk about the weird, this is one this is one where there's not too much weird stuff going on. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would say particularly, you know, you're introduced to a lot of those bounty hunters and I guess it's a weird setup to only follow through with one, but it seems like he had nothing to do with capturing everybody on cloud city. Instead, it was Vader, the guy who hired all of them. But again, he seems to be just working hand in hand with Boba anyways. That's kind of strange to me. Bubba gets That's his reputation cool helmet, on man. just yeah. like Hey, get, get in the car. Let's drive over there together. I didn't tell anyone else, but this is where they are. It's like, well, why are you paying me? <laughs> like, yeah, that is true. Do this, dog. Without Bosk. No, Bosk is my out. favorite. You guys are right. Bring him along. Maybe, maybe he has an affinity for uh, clones, you know, and he misses them from the Clone Wars, oh. and he likes to keep a little clone buddy around him. <laughs> maybe, did yeah, Vader maybe have any interactions with Django? No, Anakin did not. He was too busy getting crushed in the cartoon assembly line, correct? That's true, yeah. yeah. yeah so he, he would barely didn't know, know Django. He but he knew a lot of clone troopers, which by proxy means he sort of. But I wonder Boba. if he even in the clone wars he does run into him. He was related to the clones because if he never sees I, him without his helmet. I believe he does know via uh, an arc that young Boba has in the Clone Wars TV uh, show. Nice. But yeah, Boba Fett happens to be uh, sitting in the car. Yeah, he's just uh, waiting. But, How about you, Mike? What's your good? What's your bad? What's your ugly? So my good, my Jedi, is uh, Hoth. I love uh, the idea of deserts in space, but now we're on a, a tundra in space. And what I love about this is like there were stories that they got such bad snowstorms when they were filming this in Europe that like some of those scenes of Luke wandering in the snow were just filmed out the door of the hotel. Wow. And into the parking lot because it was just so much snow. Like, yeah, we didn't even need to go anywhere. We just put the camera in the lobby and made Mark Hamill go out there and be cold. We were all warm. Uh, we just shot out the window. That's but crazy. Uh, that Darth Vader battle, crazy Yoda's amazing. And Lando and just, you know, all the cool Han Solo lines. The bad, the the Sith here. It's just kind of the weird way the Jedis are telling people to ignore taking care of their friends when they think they're in danger. Maybe that's a level of emotional restraint that I'm not reading properly, but it just feels like you did this with Anakin and, and that's how you got Darth Vader and now you're falling into it with Luke. And, you know, maybe later with Ray, I need to rewatch and analyze, right? But it looks like a disturbing pattern. Mike, would you um, say that maybe failure the greatest teacher is? I would say maybe they're like poetry and they rhyme, but yeah, it's also <laughs> no, failure. Sick. The greatest teacher could be. It certainly could be, but I think I'm going to get sick. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that makes me sick is Leia kissing Luke twice. You know, there's the whole, you clearly need to, you know, learn a lot more about women. Something that affects with Leia, she kisses Luke to make Han jealous. But then after the battle, he's in the uh, Millennium Falcon and she kisses him again before she goes in the cockpit to check on things. So um, if they didn't know where they were going, all right, and then it makes sense because Luke puts his arm around Leia. It looks almost like a romantic ending. Like, okay, this is going to be our power couple. They're doing the thing. Jedi, that's not the case. So that just puts a bad taste in my mouth Like when I watch it in full context. Um, that's all. And the only ugly, like kind of the Jar Jar, the weirdness, just the, some of the Cloud City changes, changing Boba Fett's voice. Um, you know, it's just stuff that like didn't need to happen but happened, basically. But this is the most well-preserved of the cuts like there's the least tampering 
We don't get an extra song and dance number. <laughs> Thank fucking God, yeah. right? So this one is still the most enjoyable in its purest essence, even though there are minor cosmetic changes and the Wampa's additive. So I think this is spared the least wounds by the tinkering. So I appreciate it. So Mike, that. can I bring up one thing? So when you're saying, you know, you don't really agree with the Jedi saying don't help your friends, we kind of see Luke's character change where to right now he's going after his friends, but then when he becomes an older and perhaps wiser with the, the force ways in the last Jedi, we see him ignoring pleas for help from his friends and saying, no, like I'll just mess it up anyway. So, you know, why bother? So it's almost like the, the older and wiser and you rhyme. get, like the more you don't want to help your friends or something. Which is weird from like what should be our paragons of the moral imperative of this universe. Um, but it makes you think. Um, and cause I never really ever thought these guys are giving bad advice as a kid, but now it's like, but also they were I right. Know, maybe I just don't that get bad advice. Literally the puppet screams at a later movie. We fucked it all up, blow this tree up. And it's like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So maybe I, I really got to examine these, and I'm glad that we're doing them. But that's it for me. I don't want to. I don't want to hog this up. Um, Jacob, you got your Jedi, the Sith, and the Jar Jar. Uh, yeah. Um, so my good are probably going to sound similar to your guys's as well. Number one is just Han being Han. I mean, this is like pecan um, out of all the movies. Um, pecan, pecan pie. pie. No, if you want your if you want your Han, you got to watch this movie. This is his movie. Um, other things I liked were the Hoth battle, Wacky Yoda. Um, I like the humor in this movie a lot. Uh, and the, uh, you know, Luke versus Vader, of course, iconic. Um, the second, you know, ever lightsaber fight that we see, and the first one wasn't that good. So to see that, it's just mind-blowing. Um, the bad, uh, I'm going to have to go with C-3PO, just being annoying <laughs> and... Like, I don't want him to get cut out of the whole movie, but just maybe give him a few less lines because he's just, like, always there just complaining about something. Um, and then the ugly... Uh, I, have to, I have to agree with you, Mike, about the uh, Luke and Leia kissing. Uh, it is a little strange, especially because they seem, it seems like George Lucas knew that he wanted to make Leia and Luke brother and sister at this point because they also have that connection later. And then it just seems like, I don't know if he did or not, but it really, and then even Yoda says, no, there is another, which implies Leia heavily implied. Mm -hmm. So weird that Leia would kiss Luke on the mouth twice in this movie, but what can you do? Yeah. And those are my opinions. Which also did George, George didn't write this technically. Right. So, I mean, is there a miscommunication there between where the end goal was Uh, to go? Good point. I don't know, but it's strange nonetheless. Um, Joe. All right, man. The Jedi is the the entire movie. Again, I cannot overstate this enough. <laughs> you guys talked about all the specific points. I just want to say the theme, do or do not. There is no try. Action or inaction. Either one's going to have a consequence, but they're both things. You either do or you don't. Um, I love that. I love that this is a character study wrapped in a space opera that has a lesson to it. It it has a point. It's not just the hero's journey. It's something more. Um, That's why I would put it up there as, uh, you know, definitely in my top two Star Wars films of all time. Uh, So that's my Jedi. It's great. It's got themes. 
My Sith, I would say, and this is like the greediest Star Wars thing you could say, is the the missed opportunities. We're not going to get a Shadows of the Empire movie. We're not going to get that miniseries. We're not going to see this time period explored anymore. And that kind of really bums me out because there's so much meat on that bone, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Clone Wars was great. Rebels was great. I would have died to see those are all prior though this time period explored this uh era of the shadow of the empire and again like those comics rock those books rock the game rock check those out uh so you have it in that form but uh, i would give anything for a dash rendar series and i just don't think we're ever gonna see this time period you mean these Cassian bounty Andor series. <laughs> yeah basically right oh um, god you don't think with the success of The Mandalorian we might come back to this time period? Maybe, but Mandalorian is after this. I do think we'll get more. A little more, bit after, but. I think we'll get more that bridges the gap between the sequels and the, the original series, but we're, I don't think we're going to go. I don't think we're going to go in between these movies ever again. Because you. In the middle I of think them. you'd get way too much backlash of recasting any of these people. Um, and, like, you know, again, like, I would just love to see it. It's, like, to me, it's it's greedy as hell, but that is the nitpick, I'll say, for my Sith. I could see that um, happening only if it was, like, an animated in the, in the style of Rebels or Clone Wars. They could do a show like that, but that's the only yeah. But that won't have that feel that we're kind of going out to yeah. real yeah. tactile. Which, again, is nitpicking a grander thing to kind of tie it all together. And um, my Jar Jar, we didn't talk about this. The fact that if you read the novelization of Empire Strikes Back, you had that twist spoiled for you uh, a month before the movie came out. And uh, how I think it would have been different had this movie come out in the modern age. And I think that's kind of one thing before we get out of here. I would love to yeah. just touch on is, do you think people would like Empire Strikes Back if it came out in 2019? I think it would be highly polarizing to the degree that another certain Star Wars movie is today. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that movie um, over time will become like Empire and looked back on as one of the best of this new trilogy uh, but wasn't appreciated properly in this time. Jacob's getting too political. I agree with you guys in that uh, <laughs> there would be the weird new verbiage that people have of, well, they better stick the landing. I mean, I don't know. We'll see how the third one goes. Yeah. Where it's like, guys, again, mm-hmm. pull out. You don't need ending. to worry about that. Think about what the second one was. I don't even, yeah. like, Because if this came out now, that would also have to mean that A New Hope came out three years ago. And those are the only movies that exist, you know, in this new internet era. So, <sighs> yeah, I mean, I could see there being, it could be divisive. I think, I I mean, this is just because I know I love this movie. I imagine that I would also have loved it because I saw this only knowing A New Hope and I loved it, you know. Uh, so. I just I can't just, believe I nine just can't years shake from now, the Joe, I'm going to get so mad that Michael Keaton's Batman. I just can't shake the thought that you would have like... Do you think Luke was being lied to by Vader? Vader can't be his father. Like, think pieces. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that twist in the, there, you know, like, hashtag don't don't spoil the end game, right? Like, the, the sensationalism around these pictures now. Yeah, uh, I could see the BuzzFeed, yeah. I would just love Could Vader to have been lying to Luke? Here's 10 Who little details Who is the emperor? Dot, dot, dot. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would just, it's, it's one of those things where I, I just can't shake the feeling. been thinking about Star Wars for the last month and, and will be for the next month. Um, but I, just putting it in that lens, I think is such an, an interesting question of like, what do you think people would think of if Star Wars came out now? Yeah, the right. thing is with with the internet, I think a lot of movies that came out before the internet was around, the, the perception of them would be totally different if they came out today. And it's just like a hypothetical that we'll never really know. But I mean, just the very nature of like, if you look at Sonic, how they got the Sonic movie to change the entire design of their character just from like fan complaints online. Think about how much, you know, people might complain about star Wars and then uh, the people making star Wars are reading this stuff. And then they're taking that. That's kind of, you know, swaying their opinion of, of, of how to make it. So Jacob, there's a trailer that shows Yoda. Boom. A million people go online saying, oh, I remember when these films were dark and not, you know, funny. Okay. They need to yeah. re-edit that little green frog man. And then right. they bring him out and he's like a big, normal, like humanoid sized <laughs> green guy. It's like, Hey, come on, Luke, get in the car. We got to go talk about the force. He like, doesn't look yeah. like a powerful warrior. And, you know, I didn't want to spur into, like, a crazy argument. We'll have one of those in future episodes. Yeah, I'm just saying in the internet age, everything is different from pre-internet movie making to now. So it's just crazy to think about. Such a beloved movie. What would people think when they saw it the first time? Definitely, definitely. The other thing we haven't done yet is what do we guys think what do we guys that's not a thing but i'm gonna start saying it just like post calls we guys what <laughs> these we guys, guys what do we think about uh the title of this movie hey we guys, <laughs> hey, we what guys. Do we think? i love it what what happens in this movie the this Empire is one of the best back. mike you're upset. right yeah hands down it, it, it might be one of my favorite up there with raiders of the lost ark might be my favorite movie title of all time where it's just like they're coming for you the empire strikes back yeah they're striking yeah back. i like it a lot as yeah, well that's it. very descriptive of what happens in this movie uh, we always liked um, my friend. He told me that like the literal translation of this in Mandarin is the backstroke of the <laughs> West. Because like the West is like, it's just whatever. It's like the way they kind of structure like negative energy or whatever. But it's like, I always like the backstroke of the West. So huh. yeah, that's my second favorite Star Wars <laughs> title. Uh, Rondo of Blood is my uh, third favorite. That's right, Jacob. <laughs> Rondo of Blood. Go back <laughs> Throw and back listen. to um, that's it for me on, on Empire. I mean, it's my favorite one. Fantastic stuff. Uh, I'm excited to get to Jedi and watch the, uh, music number in Jabba's palace. Hell yeah. Oh boy. Really excited for next week. I think, uh, this one's going to be another really fun conversation. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm pretty excited too. return of the Jedi was my favorite growing up. Not my favorite anymore, but just from a nostalgic standpoint, I'm going to really enjoy watching this one. And it's our last episode because they never touch these movies again. <laughs> That's right. We're just going to last of the Skywalker. Yeah, you got to wait, wait for 20 years and then we'll come back. Yes. So that's why it's the post calls because I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> original pre. It's got to be post because they happen. Anyway. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening so much to this episode of Normies Like Us. Hopefully that wasn't a rush transition out of here, but I think we have been spending quite enough time in a galaxy far, far away, and we'll be excited to talk to you again next week. I still haven't thought of a Star Wars name, so I'm going to go with... Um, just Mike. Colin Baca. <laughs> Joda.
Um, and this is, uh, you know, Lando Cabrizian. Perfect. Oh, perfect. Stuck the landing. Great. Catch you next time. Keep Star Wars in normies. Hello there. Thank you for listening to this very special Star Wars edition of Normies Like Us. We will be back for more Star Vember and War Simba. And you will give us a rating, like, and subscribe on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Catch you soon, Normies. May the Force be with you.